really make sure that thing is off, but it was on. So maybe, maybe Roger was doing his job well. I'm like, I better turn Jim down. <laughs> All right, hey, do me a favor. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 today. Matthew chapter 7. Continuing our series entitled, Let Us Be in 23. And the, the premise of this uh, series, the, the big idea of this series is that we as individuals, we as a church are looking at ourselves and asking and saying, hey, I want to be different. Let us, let us be in 23. Let, let us be different than we were in 22 or in 20, or let us be different than we were in the last five years. Let us be. And so we've been looking at different aspects of this thing. And in week one, I said, let us be changed. And from Acts chapter two, the idea was, man, we, we need the Holy Spirit to be working in us as individuals and in the church and changing us and, and doing something different in us. Two weeks ago, we looked at let us be turning and from Hosea chapter 6, the idea was that we're turning to the Lord. And, and again, we, we were like, Holy Spirit, we need you. And those two weeks, we had some time of prayer. And, and, and we were praying and saying, Holy Spirit, we need you more in our lives and in our church. We, we need you to, to come. And, and I, I'm asking that you would continue to be praying. Holy Spirit, come. Come more in my life. Come more in our church. Last week, we looked at from Romans chapter 12, the idea of being all in. Man, just like if you're playing poker, you're, you get that royal flush, you're putting all your chips to the center of the table. The idea is, is of being all in, as, as Paul writes in Romans 12, that we're just not giving God our leftovers. You know, we're not just doing our life and then whatever, well, God, whatever I have left over, you can have it. No, the idea is like, God, all my life, all that I am, all that I have, God is yours. And I'm moving all my chips to the center of the Jesus table. Here I am, God. So from changing to turning to being all in, today, the title of the message is, Let Us Be Responding. Let Us Be Responding. And I'm coming from... Matthew chapter 7 today, but before I dive into the text, before I read it, let me read a few, let me ask you a few questions. Raise your hand on this one. How many of you would say that we are a Bible teaching church? Raise your hand if you believe we're a Bible teaching church. Okay, pretty much everybody. Don't raise your hand on this one. Are you a Bible learning person? I don't want to embarrass anybody because it's now it's individual, but are you a learning, you're like, I'm learning the Bible. Raise your hand on this one. How many of you would believe that we are a Bible-believing church? Okay, pretty much everybody. Don't raise your hand. Are you a Bible-believing person? All right. Now, don't raise your hand for this question. So you've all said that we are a Bible-teaching church. You've all said that we are a Bible-believing church, but don't raise your hand now. How many of you say we are a Bible-doing church? What did you, how did you answer when I said, are you a Bible learning person? I'm hoping you said yes. How many of you said yes to, I'm a Bible believing person? Now, don't raise your hand, but let me ask you this question. Are you a Bible doing person? You see, that's where we're going today. Because how many of you know there is a difference between um, simply um, learning the Bible, believing the Bible, and doing the Bible? 
There's a difference between hearing and responding. Because we can hear the Bible all day long. We can study the Bible, learn the Bible, know the Bible. Um, but the idea is, are you responding to the Bible? And that's what we're looking at today. And that's what we are seeing in Jesus with, with Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And I would encourage you to open your Bible so you can see these words yourself, so you can see what Jesus is saying. So let's, let me just read through this text. Starting in uh, chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus says this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And a great and great was the fall of it. These are very familiar passages. We all probably remember in Sunday school, the wise man built his house upon the rock. We all remember that song, okay? Everybody, I mean, you don't even really have to be a believer in Jesus to know this, all right? Very familiar text, but packed with great truth, all right? And so before I dive into here, let's get some context of what Jesus is saying here. From chapter 5 to chapter 7 here, this is what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, okay? Jesus is teaching, having it, like one of his first major sermons is here. Do me a favor, flip back a couple pages to, Roman, to Romans, to Matthew chapter 5. Let's get an idea of who he is talking to. Who's this sermon being preached to? So in... Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 is talking about Jesus and is seeing the crowds. He went up on the mountain and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Key word, his disciples. And he opened his mouth and he taught them. All right. So who is he teaching here? Disciples. He's not teaching everybody. All right. He's not teaching the crowd at this moment. He's teaching his disciples. And the disciples are people who are saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. The disciple was someone who said, I am a believer in Christ. He's my teacher. He's the one I believe in. He's the one I'm following. These are the people he's teaching. Just like last week we saw in Romans chapter 12, when Paul, he writes, he's, he says, I urge you brothers. And remember I said, that I go, the brother, brother in, in Romans 12 was just a generic term for believers. Paul was teaching the church. He was, he was encouraging and challenging anybody in the church who calls himself a believer, a Christian. So Jesus is now talking to his disciples, people who have called themselves a follower of him, a believer in him. Fast forward now to us. Guess who he's talking to? If you call yourself a believer in Christ, if you call yourself a follower of Christ, a disciple, a Christian, these words are to you and to me, all right? So that's the context of these verses. So let's look at what Jesus has to say to us from these verses. Here's the first thing. I encourage you to take some notes. Here's the first thing Jesus has to say to us, and it's this. It's not just hearing God's word, but putting it into practice. 
It is not about just hearing the word of God, but putting it into practice. So look at verse 24. Jesus writes, he says, everyone then who hears these words of mine, everyone then who hears these words of mine, look at verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine, what's the common theme for all these people that he's talking to? They're hearing it, all right? The commonality of these people, the commonality of you and I is this, you are hearing the word of God, all right? You're hearing, they're all hearing the same message. And so all of these disciples that he's talking to, the one thing they have all in common is you are hearing what I have to say. Jesus is saying you are hearing my words. You're hearing the message. You all are hearing the word of God. Guess what all of us are doing in this room today right now? Hearing. You are hearing the word of God. We all have that in common right now. Okay? But the thing is, although... All these people have that in common. Jesus now separates the people. He puts them in two different camps. He puts them in two different categories, two different groups. Because even though they all have that in common, they're all hearing, he's going to separate them. Because even though they hear, they're different. And here's the separation. Again, here's the first group in verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them. Look at verse 26. Here's the second group. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them. You see, the commonality is everybody hears, but the difference is one group does what he says, the other group doesn't. You see, group one hears the words of Jesus. Group one hears the word of God. Group one studies the word of God. Group one believes the word of God. Group one knows the word of God, but what's group one doing? Doing the word of God. They're responding to it, okay? They're taking what Jesus has said. They're taking the word of God and applying it to their life. The NIV says that group one, it doesn't say does it. It says, but it puts them in practice. That's where I got this, the, the, this putting it into practice is from the NIV, Group one takes the word of Christ. They take the word of God and puts it into practice. Hey, here's what God's word says. And I do it. I obey it. I apply it. I put it into practice. The second group in verse 26, hears the word of God, knows the word of God, believes the word of God, but does not do it. The second group makes a decision. The first group makes a decision to put into practice what God says. The second group makes a decision. And their decision is, nope, don't want to do it. I hear it. I know it. I believe it. Nope, not going to do it. I'm going to do something different. That's the difference between these two groups. And Jesus is putting these two groups these, all these, these disciples into two groups. Jesus is making a very clear distinction here. And the dividing factor among people, the dividing factor among believers, among disciples, is not how many sermons you hear. It is not how much you read God's word. It is not about how many study groups you attend. 
It is not about how much you know about God's word. It is not how much you have memorized God's word. The dividing factor among believers is one thing. Doing it. That's it. Who does it? Who doesn't do it? Who hears it, puts it into practice. Who hears it and chooses not to. Who hears it and applies it to their life. Who hears it and does not apply it. That's the distinguishing factor. So my, my question to you today is this. What group are you in? Are you in group one? You hear the word. You know the word. You believe the word. You study the word. You memorize the word. You know the word. And you apply the word. You put it into practice. You respond to the word. Or a new group too. You hear the word, you know the word, you believe the word, you study the word, you do, you know it all. But you don't do it. You don't apply it. You do your own thing. I like this illustration that I came across from Pastor Chuck Swindoll. And I'm just going to read it because it's too long for me to try to memorize it. But he, he writes this. He says, let's pretend that you work for me. In fact, you are my executive assistant in a company that is growing rapidly. I'm the owner, and I'm interested in expanding overseas. To pull this off, I make plans to travel abroad and stay there until the new branch office gets established. I make all the arrangements to take my family into, in the move to Europe for six to eight months, and I leave you in charge of a busy stateside organization. I tell you that I will email you regularly and give you direction and instructions. I leave and you stay. Months pass. A flow of emails are sent from Europe and received by you at the national headquarters. I spell out all my expectations. Finally, I return. Soon after my arrival, I drive down to the office and I'm stunned. Grass and weeds have grown up high. A few windows along the street are broken. I walk into the receptionist room and she is doing her nails, chewing gum, and listening to music. I look around and notice the waste baskets are overflowing. The carpet hasn't been vacuumed for weeks and nobody seems concerned that the owner has returned. I ask about your whereabouts and someone in the crowded lounge area points down the hall and yells, I think he's down there. Disturbed, I move in the direction and bump into you as you are finishing up a chess game with the sales manager. I ask you to step into my office, which has been temporarily turned into a television room. I ask you, what in the world is going on, man? And you respond by saying, what do you mean? Well, look at this place. Didn't you get any of my emails? Emails? Oh, yeah, sure. I got every one of them. As a matter of fact, we studied your emails every Friday night since you left. We have, we have even divided all the personal all of the personnel into small groups and discuss many of the things you wrote. Some of those things were really interesting. You'll be pleased to know that a few of us have actually committed to memory some of the sentences and paragraphs in your emails. One, of, one or two of us have even memorized an entire email or two. There was great stuff in those emails. Okay, okay, you got my emails. You studied them, you meditated on them, you discussed them, and even memorized them. But what did you do about them? Do? Oh, 
we didn't do anything about them. You see, that, loved ones, is what Jesus is saying here. He is saying, there are people who hear my word, who know my word, who have memorized my word, who believe my word, and they do it, and they put it into practice. But then there are believers, there are disciples who hear my word, who know my word, who study my word, who read my word, and they, they, but they don't do it, and they do not put it into practice. You see, you can know what the Bible has to say about serving, and you can read all the scriptures about what it means to serve, but are you serving? You can know what the Bible has to say about giving of your finances. And you can read all the verses and you can memorize. Give and it will be given onto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over into your bosom. Men will give. But are you giving? You can know what it means to encourage one another and to build each other up. And you can know what it means to build, have, have your faith build up and mutually edify one another. You can know all of those one another verses, but are you connecting with other believers to do them? You see, you can know everything that the Bible has to say. The question is, what group are you in? The doing, responding, putting into practice group? Or the I know, but not doing group? My challenge for you today is, let us be responding if you have not been doing the word of God as a believer, as a follower of Christ, my challenge to you with the help of the Holy Spirit through the word of God is that you will be and become responding in 23. Not just sitting here on a Sunday morning hearing the word. Not just maybe attending a small group and hearing and studying the word. But man, you are now going to put it into practice. Let us be responding in 23. Here's the second thing that Jesus tells us here. Putting God's word into practice is wise for building my life. It is wise to put what Jesus says into practice to build my life. So again, verse 24, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Again, the commonality is everyone is hearing, but the difference is who's doing it and who's not. And now the difference is whoever is doing it, Jesus considers wise. Whoever is not doing it, Jesus considers foolish. Two camps, two groups, no middle ground. Jesus says you are either wise or you are a fool. Jesus is trying to tell us that building our life upon his word is wise. Because let's continue the text. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
Verse 26, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Commonality, everyone hears. The second commonality, everyone builds. The building, he, the building of the house is a metaphor of building your life. All of us in here are building our lives, okay? You start building your life basically when you're in grade school, all right? You, you just start building, and you're going to build your life through being a teenager, young adult, midlife, into your elderly. You're building your life every single day. Jesus is saying it. Everybody's building. But the question is, is what are you building your life on? Okay, so we all have the commonality. We all hear the word of God. The difference is who's doing it, though. The commonality is we're all building our lives, but the difference is, what are you building it on? So Jesus says, the person who builds this life, this house, upon my word, is wise. Because when you build your life on my word, meaning you're doing what I say, it's as if you're building your life on the rock. If you build your life... By saying, I don't want to do what God says, it's like you're being a fool and you're building your life on the sand. You're building. But what are you building it on? And that's what Jesus is getting at here. What are you building it on? You see, the rock is the metaphor and represents his word. You know, we, we were singing that song and um, build my life. And it was interesting. It says, on your love, I build my life. It's a firm foundation, which is true. But I would almost like to change that one word from love to his word. Because Jesus doesn't say, if you build your life on my love. He's like, if you build my, your life on the rock, and the rock he's been referring to is his word. You build your life on his word. And the way you build your life on his word is to buy doing it. And it's a firm foundation. It, 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 it's, it's solid. His word is solid. And building upon his word is wise. Verse 26, he gives the contrast to wisdom as foolishness. He says, anybody who hears my word but doesn't do that is a fool because you're building your life on sand or the ground. The sand or ground is really representative of the word of the world. Because here's the, here's the reality, loved ones. You gotta understand this. If you're not building your life on the word, you're building it on something else. Okay? And the only other thing, if we're not building our life on the word of God, we are building our life on the word of the world and the culture. Those are the only two camps, okay? There is no middle ground. It's either I'm building it on God's word or I'm not. And if I'm not building my life on God's word, I'm building my life on sand, on unsolid ground. And unsolid ground is the world. The reality is this. The world will sit there and tell you, living your life according to the word of God and being a Christian is foolish. Jesus is making it very clear. If you build your life on anything other than my word, you are a fool. 
So the question you and I have got to ask is this. Who's right? Jesus or the world? Who's speaking truth? Jesus or the world? And guess who, what you've got to do? You've got to make that decision. Who are you going to believe? Jesus or the culture? Jesus' word or the word of the culture? And whichever one you choose is depending and showing you what you're building your life on. If I choose Christ and his word, I'm building my life on a firm foundation on the rock. If, I'm, if I decide, yep, I, I know what Jesus says, but I don't want to do it, I'm actually making a decision to build my life on sand because I'm building it on the, word, on the world and it's foolishness. And so Jesus is telling us it is wise to put his word into practice to build your life. Here's the third thing. Putting God's word into practice to build my life requires patience and fortitude. When I start building my life on the word of God, you need to understand it's going to take patience and fortitude to do it. Let me ask you, if you have ever bought a house... Let's say you, 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 you buy this, you, you're look, you, before you buy it, you're, you're talking to the person who's selling it, and, and, and it's just kind of a, it's a brand new house, it's been built. And you're talking to the owner and who built the house, and he goes, he goes, you know what? He goes, man, we really wanted to get this house done really quick. So we, we cut a lot of corners, and we, stuck, we cut some corners with doing the electrical. We, we cut some corners with, you know, like door frames and stuff like that. But, but, but here's the real thing and this saved us a lot of money it saved us a lot of time a lot of effort here's the big corner that we cut um, we chose not to lay a foundation we didn't lay any footers we, we didn't even put a, a slab down man we just wanted to get this thing done so we just built this house right on the ground question how many of you would be putting a hundred thousand dollars on that house because if you have a house even with a foundation i mean a basement with blocks and, and everything. When that house starts to settle, what can happen? Those blocks can start to get little cracks in them because the house starts to settle. Now imagine building that house and somebody goes, man, we didn't put a slab down, no footers down, nothing. We just took the two by eights and we slapped them right on the ground and we just started building on it. It won't take long before that house starts to settle and that house will go... And before you know it, the roof has major cracks in it. The walls are cracking. And it won't be long before enough rain comes down where that land is going to wash out. And that house will fall. Foolishness, right? If you want a good house, you've got to take the time to dig. You've got to take time to, and, and hard labor to dig out that dirt and to pour footers. You've got to take time to put the block down. You've got to take time to pour that cement floor. It takes time and it takes effort. It takes fortitude. Jesus is saying the commonality of every single person who hears my word is this. You're building your life. And you have a choice. You can build your life by being wise and do it upon his word or you can cut corners and build it on the sand. You see, the idea of building 
is hard work. And Jesus is just simply making it clear that if you're going to build your life on my word, sometimes it's not going to be easy. So he's, he's again identifying the two groups. One group of people who hears what he says, puts it into practice, he understands these people get it. They're going to build on the rock, and these people are going to know it's not going to be the easy road every single day. It's not going to be tiptoeing through the tulips all the time. It's going to take effort. It's going to take time. It's going to take, you know, wow, this is hard sometimes. In fact, if you even look up at verse 13 in, our, in, in chapter 7 here, verse 13, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy. And that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. But the gate is narrow and the way is, what's the next word? Hard. And it leads to life. The way of Christ, and I don't care what some of these famous pastors teach. They're trying to make this idea that being a Christian is simple. And man, greater things are always coming. And you're just, listen, being a Christian is going to be hard. Doing it God's way is difficult at times. Following his word goes contrary to the culture. And you just need to bank on it that if you are going to make the decision, I'm going to be a follower of Christ and I'm going to do the word of God. Just bank on the fact it's going to take patience and fortitude. But if you choose not to, and you build on the sand, Your house will fall because there is no solid foundation on the sand. You see, the other group, the people who want to say, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to do the word of God. You see, these are the people who want the simple path. These are the people who don't want to hear the hard teaching. These are the people who want still, well, I, I want the word to conform to me. These are the people who still want their purposes done, their, their goals done, their ideas accomplished. I, so, so God and his word need to conform to what I want to do. And the reality is God and his word does not conform to us. We are to conform to it and to him. And when we don't want to do that, when we don't want to do what he has to say, these are the people, like in John chapter 6, when Jesus started teaching very difficult things, all of these people who considered themselves followers of Jesus said, too hard. I'm going somewhere else. I'm, I'm going to go to the megachurch down the, down the street because they're teaching some really easy stuff. This Jesus guy, he's way too hard for me. These are the people who don't want to do the word of God are like Jesus when he talks about the sowing of the seed, the parable of the sowing of the seed. He's like, man, see, the word of God is the seed and it's going to be sown and there's going to be people who grab hold of it, all excited about it. But the moment they get persecuted, the moment the trial hits, the moment all of a sudden more desires of the world starts to creep in, they are gone. They don't last. They have no patience. They have no fortitude. Because they want the Bible, they want God's word to conform to what they think, what they believe, what they want, what they desire. And when it doesn't, I've built my life on the sand and I'm walking away. Jesus is saying, listen, building your life on the rock 
is hard. And here's actually why it's hard. Because the idea of building on the rock is not like you're like, the idea isn't like you're finding stones and stacking them. Here's what it really means. It means to dig down. And the rock means bedrock. In Luke chapter 6, the parallel um, verse to this, Jesus says it this way. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. You see, that's the, that the, he's telling, he, he's, he's saying, you dig deep and you're laying the rock. How many of you know when you start digging, that's how, how many, you ever just d- dug a hole? I mean, you ever buried an animal in the backyard and you got to dig a little three foot? That's hard work. But have you ever tried to dig an entire foundation with a shovel? I remember as a kid in junior high, my dad got, I lived in a house that was not built on a foundation. I don't know how my, why my mom and dad lived in this house. They did. But I remember the day when my dad said, you know what, I'm going to put a foundation underneath this house. And can I tell you, he did not hire anybody. Me and my brother were the hired hand. And I remember all summer long between my eighth grade year and my freshman year, man, we were under that house with pickaxes and shovels digging out clay and dirt. And I'm telling you, I was not going, oh, this is so much fun. I love doing this. Every time I dug and blisters on my hand, I'm like, I hate this. Why are we doing this? My dad's like, because this house needs a foundation and we're putting in one end. It was hard, laborious work. And I'm telling you, when you dig down and you build your life on the rock of God's word, every time, there will be times, I'm telling you, over the next few weeks, we're going to get into some practical stuff, gang. And there are going to be some things that I'm going to have to teach on and some things I'm going to have to say that you're going to be like, I don't like giving of my money. You're digging. Giving financially is digging, but you're laying your on the rock. Serving is hard, but you're laying on the rock. It's hard. It's going to take patience. It's going to take fortitude. But you just got to go with it. Because when you are building your life on the rock, you're being wise. And then lastly, here's the last thing. Putting God's word into practice is protection for my life. When I put God's word into practice, it is protecting my life. Now look at what Jesus says. Look at verse 25. So this person has built their house, and he says, And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew but, and beat the house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. You see, this person is the person, again, hears the word, does the word. And Jesus says, this man's like, he, he dug deep. He built his house on the bedrock. He built that thing up. And when the winds blew, the rains came and the floods came, that house was beat and it was shaken, but it stood firm. But the other person who hears the words and chooses not to do them, who built his house on the sand, look at verse 27. This guy's... His, his, his thing's on the sand. It's on, on the ground, on the dirt. Verse 27 says, And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. 
That man decided to cut corners. That person decided, you know what? I, I hear the word of God. I know the word of God, but I don't want to do the word of God. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to live how I want, when I want, where I want, do my thing. Well, that's fine. But I'm telling you, when the winds blow and, the, and crash, something's going to go wrong. You see, the commonality things, we all hear the word of God. We all build our life. And guess what the third commonality is? You're going to get hit with stuff. Things are coming into your life. Bank on it. And Jesus is saying, I'm telling you, the winds are going to blow, the rain's going to come, the floods are going to hit. And when it hits your house, the only thing that's safe in your house, your life, is what you've built your life on. The rock of the word or the faultiness of the sand and the dirt. So here are four things that we need to see what God's word protects us from. Here are four things that I, I, I want us to see. Here's the first thing. God's word protects me against falling away because of sin. Okay, it's not, we don't see these four things in the text, but we got to kind of think outside the text for a second. How many of you know one of the things that's going to barrage you all the time is the temptation of a sin? It's coming against us, all right? And now this is not saying that you will never sin. We're all still sinners, okay? James says we're all going to stumble in many ways. We're still going to sin. But the idea is, and maybe you know people who, who have been like this, who, you know what, they just got to a point where they just gave in to sin. They just went back to an old way of life. They, they, they just, you're, you're like, have you ever just known someone who just fell off the turnip truck and you're like, what in the world happened? They were, they were, they were serving in ministry. They were, they were like worshiping all the time. They were like, you know, in, in the church for like, they how in the world did they just fall into this sinful pattern? Now they don't even go to church. Now they don't care about the church. They're just sidelined and falling away because of sin. It's so easy, gang. We're all going to sin, all right? We're not perfect. But I'm telling you, if you've built your life on the sand and you're not building your life on doing the word of God, the barrage of sin can get you to a point where you just give in to it. And then you're back into a lifestyle before you were a Christian. Here's the second thing. God's word protects me against falling away because of suffering. It's going to protect you against suffering. All right? Man, the winds and the waves, those are like trials. And we're all, all going to get hit with things. You're going to get the call from the doctor. It's cancer. You're going to have things come into your life that just waylay you. But what have you built your life on, all right? If you've built your life on doing the word of God and you've strengthened your faith, you've strengthened... Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have times where you falter. It, it doesn't have... You may have your doubts, you may have your fears, but the reality is that if you've built your life on the rock... The wind can blow extremely hard. It may cause you to stumble backwards, but you're able to go, I'm going to keep trusting my Lord. I'm trusting my God. I don't know how this is working out. I don't know how the, where the money's coming from. I don't know how the, the finances are going to change. I don't know my health direction. I don't know if my kids are ever going to come back. But man, I'm going to keep trusting God. But here's what happens when I'm not building on the rock. When I'm building on the sand, guess what suffering does? If that's the way God is, thank you. Oh, thank you. And people walk away. Paul and I have been the pastor and pastor's wife of this church for a long time. We've seen a lot of people fall away because of suffering. In 2020, the church, not just this church, the church, 
was smacked upside the head. And something happened to a lot of Christians after 2020. It was like, it was like the church just, it was just shaken and stirred, like shifted, like sifted. And when it was all settled down and 2021 came into, into play, what happened to so many Christians? Pastor that I know up in the suburbs of Chicago has a church, runs probably four or 500 people. And I, I, just, I, I just saw his post online and, and he, he wrote and he goes, in 2020, I led my church from 500 to zero. And for a long time, a lot of churches were zero. And but the sad news is, he goes, and he goes, as of today, I've convinced only 60% of my church to come back. 60%. That is the church all over. Christians have just decided, yeah, I'm done. I'm just done. Not going back. Why? Apparently, these Christians who must have been putting on a play have built their life on the sand. And when major hit took place, now you've got Christians going, nope, don't need to go back. Nope, don't need it. I'm just going to do my own thing. How does that happen? The only way that happens, Jesus says, you've built your life on the sand. Because if you've really built your life on the rock and you're trying your best to live it out and just follow Christ, I'm telling you, you can get hit and you can get hit and you can suffer and you can go through the trials. And again, it doesn't mean you may not have times where you doubt and your faith, but man, you are standing strong on the rock because you've built your life on the promises of what God has said and you believe them and you trust them and you stand in faith in Christ. The reality is so many Christians, when they go through suffering, they walk away and they fall. Here's the third thing that God's word protects me against. It protects me against falling because of suppositions. I had to use the word supposition because it began with an S and I couldn't think of any other word. I had sin, suffering. I need, you know, I was like, I need an S in there. But suppositions are, you know, well, beliefs and and ideas and, and things like this. And I've said this so many times. The culture screams at us all the time. The message of the culture is barraging you every single day. And so guess what? As I said, the sand represents the ideas of the, of the culture. It's, it's the voice of the world. So the voice of the world, the culture, is always telling us things. All right, you watch the news, you listen to Hollywood, sports people, whatever it is. Obviously, these people think, a lot of people think, well, they're right. You're famous. You've got to know what's right. You've got to know what's going on. You're the news. You've got to know what's going on. So we keep hearing all these messages. But here's the problem. If I have built my life on the sand, I'll believe it. I'll believe what people have to say about the church. I'll believe what the people have to say about Christianity and the Bible, all of this. And if, I, if I'm not careful and I'm not building my life on the truth of God's word, I will believe that. And guess what can happen? I drift to that. And before you know it, I'm not worshiping. I'm not doing anything. I'm 
falling away. Why? Because I've believed the ideas, the philosophies, the methods, the, the teachings, everything that the culture and the world can throw at me, that's what I believe. God's word protects me from that. Then lastly, so God's word protects me against sin, suffering, suppositions. Lastly, God's word protects me against falling away because of sentencing. And what I mean by sentencing is the eternal thing. Because here's the reality. There are some people who call themselves Christians and believers and everything, but there's no evidence in their life. They are not doing the word of God. And the reality is their life is pretty good. They, go, they, they may show up to church now and then. Other than that, that's about it. But there's nothing really wrong with their life. But one day they will die. And this is the scary part, gang. There will be people who said that they were a believer in Jesus Christ, but had nothing to do with Jesus. And James makes this very clear. He says, I'm telling you, faith without works is dead. And there will be people who will be judged because they had a proclamation, just words, but no action. Their life was not built on the word. They never obeyed it. They never did it. There was nothing. And there will be a day where Jesus will look at people and go, I never knew you. From verse 13 all the way through to verse 27. Our Bibles, when we read our Bible, it's broken up into chapter breaks, verse breaks. In the, the, the manuscripts, the Greek manuscripts, there are no chapter breaks. There are no verses. It's one, like, like sometimes it's just one big thought. Verse 13, all the way to verse 27, even though it's broken up into like, like headings and, and verses and it looks like it chunks it, that is actually one big thought. And Jesus begins this thought and, and a line, it just like a rope is ran all the way through here. So in verse 13, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and, and, and the way is easy, and leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. And the gate is narrow, and, and, and the way is hard, and leads to life, and those who find it are few. So he begins by saying, get to the gate. If you, want, if you want to go through the easy gate, that's okay. Go through it. But it leads to destruction, meaning eternal separation from God. And then he goes right into that, and he says, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing. He says, you'll recognize them by their fruits. In verse 17, he says, every healthy tree bears good fruit. Verse 18, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit. In 19, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Again, Jesus is saying there are going to be people who sit there and go, well, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, but there is no fruit. There's no evidence. There's nothing that says I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And he is saying these people have a false proclamation. Because if you truly are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you truly know me, Jesus is like, you're going to bear fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit, and a good tree does not bear bad fruit. And he says, I'm telling you, the bad tree, the person who doesn't truly know me is cut down and forever thrown away, separated from me. And then right from that, he goes into... Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does my will of the Father in heaven. 
He says, on that day, many's going to say to me, but Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and, 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 and many works in your name? And Jesus says, I declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me. You see, there are going to be people, I believe, who are modern-day Christians dying, standing before Jesus, saying, but didn't I go to church? Didn't I sing some songs? And Jesus will look at people and go, I never knew you. Depart from me for eternity. I'm telling you, when Jesus says that the narrow gate is wide and many find it, and there's the narrow gate, or the, the, the way of destruction is wide, the narrow gate is, is narrow and only a few find it. I'm telling you, this idea that we are so used to hearing, everybody goes to heaven, everybody's getting there, is a lie. I'm telling you, I believe there's going to be fewer people in heaven than what we think. Because there's a lot of people deceived in the church who believe, well, as long as I just say I believe in Jesus, I don't have to do anything. And these are the people that will stand before Jesus. These are the people that are building their life on the sand because they hear the word, they know the word, but they're not doing the word. And that life will fall with a great crash. What greater crash of a fall can happen other than a person standing before the great white throne of God thinking they've been safe their entire life, and Jesus look at them and go, I never knew you. Depart from me. You see, just because I show up to church now and then and sing a few songs off and on doesn't mean I'm a true believer in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul, as we looked at last week about being all in, Paul says, in view of God's mercy, when you can see what Jesus did for you, how can you not be all in? He's like, man, if you truly know who what Christ is, what he's done, perfect? No. But man, I want to give everything to God. All that I am, all that I am, all my treasure, all my talent, all my time, God, it's yours. Whatever you want to do with it. And then we work through that. Doesn't mean you're in church 24-7. Doesn't mean you're going to be down in Africa as a missionary. Doesn't mean any of that. It doesn't mean that you can't have any fun. You can't go on vacation. Doesn't mean any of that. But man, what I'm telling you, when it comes to doing the word of God, when it comes to hearing it and you're doing it, it just seems, it's like I'm opening it up, I'm reading and I'm like, oh, here's what God wants me to do. And we do it. When I make the decision to say, I know what God's word says, but mm, don't want to do it. That's dangerous territory. Because in that moment, if I can make it a lifestyle of mine, that I say, I know the word of God, and I, I, I'm a believer, but I don't do it, and that's my life, you need to truly ask yourself, am I, believe, am I a believer to begin with? Because if I'm a true believer in Jesus Christ, if I've truly given my life to Christ, my life should be transforming. I should become more like Christ. I should act more like Christ. I should desire to want to walk like Christ. And I'm telling you, if those are not on your bucket list, something's broken. And you need to go backwards and find out, have you truly had a crisis of faith where you personally have come to that place and said, be my savior. I surrender my life to you. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. And here it is. Here's my life. Take it for you and build it for your glory. See, that's what a follower of Christ does. That's what someone who is building their life on the rock does. 
they hear the word of God, they know the word of God, they believe the word of God, and they respond to the word of God. My challenge to you this year, every single one of you in here, my challenge to you this year, let us be in 23, let us be responding. Are you, not you and your husband, not you and your, not you and your, your sibling, you. Are you responding to the word of God? Let's all stand. Let's have a moment of prayer and get ready to close with our last song. I just ask that you would just close your eyes. And I just, I, my prayer is that, that just in this moment, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask that you just have a real serious time with God. Many of you I know are here and you are, you, you're building your life on the rock. You're to the best of your ability. You're trying to obey the word of God. You're trying to do it. You're responding to it. But there's many of you here also that you've been in this church a long time. And unfortunately, that's one thing about being in a small church. A lot of you have been in this church for a long time. But you're not doing the word of God. You're not responding to it. You're going through the motions. You come here on a Sunday and you sit there and then you go home and that's it. And loved one, I got to ask you, are you playing a game with God? Are you in the group that says, I hear you, Jim, but you know what? I don't want to do it. And are you building your life on the sand? Because I'm telling you, you are going to have your life crash in a big way. And right here in this moment, you need to get right and get real with God. And you need to make a declaration to him, not to me. It is to Christ. And I want to implore you, as Paul did to the Romans in Romans 12, I urge you, brothers and sisters in Christ, in view of the mercy of God, to offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. And that is your spiritual act of worship. And maybe today that's what you've got to do that you come to the place where you like, Jesus, forgive me. I want you to be my Savior and my Lord, and today I commit my life. I am all in, Lord. I'm pushing my chips to the center of the table, Jesus, for you. And today, help me to start building my life on your word, on the rock, and help me, Holy Spirit, to do and respond to the word. And so, Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit is going to change a mind today. That it will convict a heart today and it's going to challenge a will today. And that, Lord, if there is anyone here or listening online who, Lord, they're in the second group. They're the ones that are hearing the word. They even may know the word, but they're not doing it. They're not responding to it. I pray that they would come to the place where they would submit and surrender wholeheartedly to you, Lord Jesus, and give their life to you. And that they would say, God, all my talent, all my time, all my treasure is yours. Use it as you see fit. And that we, Lord, would be a church filled with people building their life on the word of God, the rock. So when the winds blow, the rains fall, and the floods come, that our lives, Lord, will not fall, but will be able to stand. And so, Lord, I pray 
Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, and do that work in us for your glory. And I ask this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's close with this last song.